If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 14, Matthew 14. And again, if you're visiting, of course, welcome. Uh, But uh, we're going through the life and the ministry of Jesus, trying to do it in chronological order, trying to keep to some type of um, a timeline there. Uh, We are about a little past... uh, uh, we're within two year, uh, one year left of Jesus' ministry on earth. Um, you know, he's kind of going into that final uh, stage, uh, coming out of that time period of popularity. Uh, now he's experiencing a lot of, of hostility towards him uh, and uh, kind of gives us an idea what he is, uh, is facing Uh, Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 21. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the winds were contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear, and straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, Uh, it is I, be not afraid. When Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Well, come. come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and he began... And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of truth, thou art the Son of God. When they were gone over, they came unto the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all the countries round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him, that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Let's stand with scriptures in hand and let's just pray together. Father God, again, we thank you for such an awesome time um, just to sing, to worship, to lift our hands to you, Father. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. Father, we just ask now that as we continue our worship in the word, that your Holy Spirit would come and just open our hearts to receive all that you have for us. Again, reminded of the letters written to, in the book of Revelation. Each one, you would say, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. I pray, Father, that you would all give us those ears to hear today. 
Whether, Father, you want to talk to us as a son or a daughter individually, Lord, or maybe as, even as a church body, Lord, our hearts are yours. And we pray again just for an outpouring of your spirit into our hearts. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said together, amen, amen. Again, it's probably to a lot of us, it's a well-familiar story. I mean, this thing probably goes back to some of Sunday school lessons, right? If you were raised in the church, flannel graphs, Jesus walking out onto the water, you know. Uh, I'm not sure if Rembrandt painted that one or not. I'll have to look that one up. But I can guarantee you, it's not like the flannel graphs. Again, I think it's very important, not only because we are studying the life and ministry of Jesus, but we're just a straight way. You know, guys, they, they, um, they're in a very difficult week. Um, the news had gotten to Jesus that his cousin, John the Baptist, the forerunner to the Messiah, had just been murdered by Herod. And that was troublesome to him. To where he would say, you know, we need to, we need to leave. Looking at his disciples, we, we've got to get out of here. And with, the, with um, the intention to be alone, to find a place of quietness, wilderness. But apparently when they got to the other side, a great multitude had followed him there. And Jesus, with his compassion, began to minister to the people. I mean, it... it it was probably a, not only just a troublesome day, but an exhausting day. It got to the point where they're somewhere around three o'clock in the afternoon where the disciples realized that these people, they had nothing to eat. And I don't think they were just trying to dismiss the problem. I think they were actually feeling for the people. Lord, you've got to send them away so they can eat. Send them by, to the nearby villages and towns. Jesus realizing that they didn't even have the strength to make it to a nearby town, just showing you how desperate the human nature can, can be. He says, no, no, just sit them down in fifties, hundreds, in groups. And what do we have? Well, we have five loaves. We've got two fish here. We've got a little happy, happy meal here. And he goes, okay, give them to me. That's the best thing to do when you're in a dilemma. Whatever you have, give to Jesus. So he there takes the bread, and I love how he does it. He always thanks his father first. He breaks it. And the multiplication came from his hands, not in the hands of the disciples. We're not the manufacturers. We're only the distributors, as we had made that point very clear last week. And the multitude were fit, was filled. In fact, the word filled there in the Greek New Testament literally means gluttoned. They were gluttoned. They were kicking back. This is Thanksgiving plus 10. You know, the need of those stretchy pants. So uh, it tells us here that straightway, which again is a familiar word in the last three Sundays, we kept using that word literally meaning immediately or forthwith. Straightway, Jesus constrains them. The word to constrain again means to necessitate. It means to drive. 
It means to compel, push forward. Something had just, I don't know, word came to him. Maybe Jesus realized uh, something. But he did not want the disciples to hang around with him. He wanted them to leave immediately. But what I don't want you to miss there at the latter part of verse 22 he goes, and, go bef- and, and to go before him unto the other side. In other words, I want you to go. It's very important, and I'll catch up with you. The promise was that I'll be there. I'll get to you. Now, in their minds, they're thinking a little later on, no problem. And then after he compels them, he drives the disciples. Please keep that in mind. He's pushing them into the boat, more or less. Again, small little, we call it the Jesus boat. Not a very large vessel at all. He sends them, then he sends the multitude away. Then it tells us in verse 22 that he goes up to the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he's all, he's all alone. So wherever he is praying, he's by himself. Now, the million dollar question, what is he praying about? Now, again, uh, sometimes it's a blessing to realize the Holy Spirit just doesn't really make that 100% clear. So it's, it's free game. It's, just think about, he's, he's going into that last year of ministry. The guy is going to be facing a lot of hardships. Um, they're going to start to plot uh, with stronger desire uh, to even murder him, to take him out of the picture. They were envious, jealous, and so, they, of course... The ones who will initiate it would be the religious leaders first. And then, of course, Rome will get involved. But um, he's, away. he's praying. It could, very, it could very well be that he's praying about all that. But there's something that's mentioned in Mark's account. Now, remember, for you might be new to studying the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We call them the synoptic gospels where we can read the parallel of each one. And we'll grab certain things from each account. So what Matthew leaves out, Mark kind of adds to it. It tells us in Mark's gospel that when he sends them away and he departs to a mountain to pray, but, and then in the evening came, the ship was in the midst, right? And he saw them toiling. So he's up on the, he, he, he's never lost an eye. He's got them in view. What is he doing? He's praying. Now, let me ask you a question. If I may, I mean, do you know anyone uh, that you're acquainted with or anyone in general that you consider them to be a prayer warrior? You just know that if you take the, your need, your concern to them, man, they've got your back. Now, I don't mean physically in the gifts of helps and stuff like that. But you know that this person, this gal, this guy, he's going into his prayer, the war room, that movie, Right. You got someone like that, dear sister. Boy, I'd have her in my camp any day, you know. And it just makes you feel good when you hear, I'm praying for you. Gang, just now just think about it for a second. We have someone greater than that. We have the Son of God. He sits at the right-hand side of the Father. And he is constantly and daily and at every moment he is interceding for you. It tells us in Romans 8.34, who was he that condemns? 
It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who even at the right hand of God is making intercessions for you. He's interceding for you. Hebrews 7, 25, wherefore he is able to save them to the other most that come unto him. Seeing he lives to make intercessions for them. Now, listen, I love it when people come up saying, Harry, we're praying for you, man. Got your back. We're kneeling. You know, if you really want to kind of do it, (laughs) we're fasting too for you, you know. But man, when I really think about it, that my Jesus, your Jesus, I don't want to claim him as my own, but he's there with every storm, with every trial, with every difficult you're facing. Man, he is sitting there saying, Father, there they are. I see them. They're in the middle of the sea, dead smack in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Would you? Hey, Peter's ready to give up, Lord, please. Downton Thomas, he's already ready to jump overboard. Lord, keep them in your hand. You can just hear him standing on the mouth there. Man, I wish I had remembered. I, I emailed the, uh, um, the AV people here a picture of the Arbel. It's just a little place there on the Sea of Galilee. And it gives you an idea of what Jesus was literally looking at as he was standing there on some mount, maybe the Arbel, beautiful place, been there a couple of times where you can see the whole Sea of Galilee. And there Jesus is just exposing his heart through the Holy Spirit to, you, to us that he's praying. Please don't lose that. Listen. We're all going to have storms. We're all going to have them. And storms come in different sizes and shapes. And one of the things that really wake me up, pray for me. Well, yeah, I'm addicted to the weather channel. (laughs) But it's starting to really freak me out. Volcanoes starting to slip away there in Europe. The Mediterranean's going to have the largest tsunami. I'm going, oh, The worst winter we're heading into because of something with the tropical storms. My goodness, clean my ear with a carrot scraper or something. It's just, it's just. But no matter what storm you and I go through. Jesus is there praying and he sees the whole picture. He just doesn't see the ship with the freaked out disciples he sees it all and again if you don't mind me telling you a lot of you know the story you know we me and erm we were ushered into a storm years ago man Um, my son he was a year and a half comes down with spinal meningitis you talk about being ushered into a storm if that wasn't bad enough when the doctors walked in gown on mask on you know they kind of had an idea what it was, but then all of a sudden our doc- doctor comes in and says, Mr. Presley, Mrs. Presley, he just might as take those off. He's not going to make it by morning. That, my friend, is a storm. That is a storm. We're going to take him to Cooper. We're going to do these little things where they drill holes in t- to release, relieve the pressures off the menges of the brain. He says, but you should really call your family. That's a storm. And it's so helped now from hindsight. I'm not telling you I had it completely together then. But now knowing that Jesus the whole time was just watching Irm and I. You know. And uh, that's what I would tell people now. That was going through a storm. Jesus is watching you. In fact, he sees 
before you entered it, and he sees when you come out. He's got the whole picture. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. Isn't that a blessing to know, guys? Again, I think he's praying for the disciples. To give us kind of a a mental picture of this, look with me, please, at verse 24. The ship was now in the midst of the sea. The sea is roughly about 14 miles long, seven miles wide. It's, It's called a sea. It's the largest body of water that the that, that it, the, the nation of Israel has. They're in this little ship. Some have speculated kind of because of the Jesus boat, anywhere between 14 feet to 20 feet, maybe seven feet wide. Again, it's not a huge vessel. But I don't want you to get this picture. It's like the other storm that we studied a few weeks ago. In that storm, um, they, they were really fearing for their lives. This is, this is different. Like I said, storms come in different shapes and sizes. You know, that storm, they thought they were going to die at any moment. And that's why they looked down and Jesus said, don't you care that we are going to perish here? This is a different lesson. This is a totally different lesson. Though I don't want to make light or minimize the size of this storm. That word tossed there uh, in the middle of verse 24, that word literally means to torture, vex with grievous pain or to harass. So we know that this, these waves are large enough to take a boat like that and to knock it around a good bit. And there, 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 is, there is concern. But what I want to point out to, to you and to give them some credit, they don't turn around. They keep rowing. They keep going into it. It's contrary to them. It literally means antagonistic in feeling or act. They're, they're, they're going to keep going into this thing. We have to really give them credit. And credit due too to the saint today. That when they feel like or sense I am in the middle of a storm. But you know what? I'm not turning around. My Lord said if I can just head in one direction. I keep paddling. That he will meet me on that other side. That's what he said to me. That is his word. That is his promise. And again not only. Does he see, see us, the whole thing, and he's praying for us? We have the sure prom- promise that no matter, no matter, you know, how severe that storm is, that he is just waiting on the other side. And, but you and I know the whole picture. He's not only waiting on the other side, but that actually he's in the middle of it with us. Again, it says that it was contrary now, again, what time of the night was this? This is around three, three o'clock to six o'clock in the morning. And I got a I got a gut feeling that it's somewhere more around three o'clock in the afternoon. But be that as it may, you just have to have this picture. They're soaking wet. They're tired. They've been at this. If my math is correct, they've been at this for about nine hours. Now, I don't know if you've ever rowed a boat or paddled a canoe. If you ever tried to go against the current wind that's contrary to you. After a while, your muscles just begin to burn. You know, and you just want to go. I remember I was in this canoe race. I was in the Boy Scouts, believe it or not. But uh, I was there for a short period, and I was in a canoe race. And I remember, man, I just wanted to win this crazy race in the worst. Man, when I got done, I couldn't get over how achy my bones, my muscles were. Listen, that race might have lasted four minutes. 
Hey, don't hate me here. Come on. And, uh, but imagine you're at something for nine hours straight. I'll tell you what, when they told us that Tim wasn't going to make it, that they were sending him to, to Dr. Sussman over in Cooper, we, we were driving this 1986 Volkswagen with fuel injectors. And the injectors have heaters to heat up the injector so it'll start. Well, my, my heater was broken, so it took forever to start that car. We're seeing them put my son in an ambulance, and I'm trying to get this crazy beat-up piece of junk started. It won't start. It felt like I was in that car for hours. Now, I know it wasn't. Eventually, we got it started, and we're able to meet Dr. Sussman. But you know what? Sometimes you just, you just sense that I'm never going to get out of this storm. But see, Jesus, again, seeing the beginning, the end, there's always that promise to the believer. This is just a period of time. This is just a real quick little twister, and then it's going to go. Or this is, maybe this is just a thunderstorm that's rolled in real quick and it's here and it's gone and then the sun will be shining. Or maybe it's like weather today where we're enduring it, you know. They come in all different shapes. But man, when you have that assurance in your heart, you know that that's this storm, whatever I'm going through, it because he loves me so much, he's so full of grace, it is just a season. Yeah, I was talking to my buddy Rich, you know, and uh, you know he's got a lot on his plate right now. And uh, he just he, uh, texted me the other day and kind of mentioned, he goes, oh, like you say all the time, just a season. And that is something I say quite often. I don't know where I've got it. When people are going through something, I'll say, just remember, it's just a season. It's not going to be like this. It might even be different tomorrow. I don't know, maybe this is just ministering to someone here today and you're really going through it and you're just about ready to give up. Your arms are aching as it were, you know, and you've been paddling against the winds that's been contrary. You feel like you've been at it forever. No, no, no. Now, forever is a pretty big word. It's just for a season. Another phrase I always say too, and it's all good. I've got a big old cup in my office. It says, it's all good. It's all good. Somebody gave me a shirt years ago in Spanish where it just says, it's all good. Because it is, isn't it, folks? Come and stay with me for a second. It would be totally against God's nature if it wasn't. Do you realize that? It would be totally against what Jesus is all about. If we say, you know what? This is just a sick joke. He wanted to throw them in there just to see them sink and drown. I'm just trying to be real, you know. But it's not. Jesus has a reason, and I'll spell that out for you, hopefully very clearly at the end of this message. Verse 26, he says, and when the disciples saw him walking on the water. Now, that's not something you see every day. You and I, were probably familiar with it because we've been through Sunday school, or maybe you've been through the teaching, and we can become desensitized. But just for a second, just imagine you're out there in the Delaware River. You're anchored out there. You're just having all of a sudden a storm rolls up and you see Harry walking out to you. <laughs> now, wait a minute. You don't know, you know. That wouldn't freak you out a little bit? 
You, you, you like them, you would have said, oh no, it's a ghost looking like Harry. You would have never put it together, nor should we fault the disciples for having this fear. In fact, the word there, troubled, literally means to cause a commotion inwardly, to take away any calmness of mind. Man, this thing <laughs> kind of wigged them out, as it were. It bugged them out. And sometimes, you know, when Jesus is coming to our rescue, we just don't recognize it's him. We don't. And here he is. He's on his way out there. In fact, well, you know, it's the devil. Then you think sometimes Jesus is going to evade. No, it's not the devil. It's me. I'm working in your life. In fact, where it says it's the spirit and it cried out for fear, it literally means to strike with terror. But I love this. Again, here's that word straightway, immediately. You know, it says, Jesus spake unto them. And now listen, this is so encouraging. Be of good cheer, it is I, don't be afraid. It just literally, it doesn't mean, okay, come on, let's get all happy. You know, hooray, it's Jesus, you know. No, it's again, it's, a, it's somewhat of a graceful and a loving um, a, a challenge. He's saying not be of good cheer, be happy about this, but be courageous. It does take courage sometimes. It does, you know, not to give in to, because of the winds. Uh, you're, you're a little achy and you just want to throw in the town, to, to towel. And you know, Jesus is coming and he just, one moment, don't give up yet. Be courageous and stick in there and hang in there. It is the same word that, it's not mentioned, by the way. I, I didn't write down how many times. It's, it's, it's one of those words where it's, the, the idea is, um, it's odd in the Greek. But it's mentioned also in Acts 23. The following night, the Lord stood by him. He's talking to Paul. He says, be of good cheer, Paul, for thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem. And you're going to also bear witness for me in Rome. See, Paul thought this was it. He thought that one other time when he was on his missionary, he said, we were pressed down, shaken together. We were so afraid. We thought we were going to die. And then the Lord spoke to me and he goes, no, it's not over. Not yet. You got to get to Rome. You know, and, and, and again, it's, it's only an act of the Holy Spirit that can really bring in that kind of encouragement when you're in a severe storm. You know, I could, someone else could. Hey, just hang in there. You know, let me be. You've been a Christian. You've been walking with the Lord. Why do you want to give in so easily? No, 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 no. You don't. Listen, I don't mean to just throw my dirty laundry out there all the time. But you don't know how many times I've wanted to give up. Throw in the towel. You know. And it's only it's only an act of God's love and his grace and his, his Holy Spirit. Just saying things like this to me. No, no, not just be happy and giddy. No, just be courageous. Be of good courage. My, my life first, Isaiah fear, uh, 41. Fear thou not. It's a command. Don't be afraid. Why? I'm with you. I'll uphold you. Even Jesus in 1633 would say, these things I've spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Be of good courage. Why can we be of good courage? Because Jesus said, I have overcome. I've overcome. 
Again, something that Rich says quite often, I hear him say, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. Jesus has won it for us. Amen, church? I guess what Jesus is saying there in John 16 is, I'm bigger than anything that can be thrown at you. You're going to have storms. It's inevitable. Again, shapes and sizes, severity. So they're always going to be different. But no matter what is thrown your way, Jesus has overcome. And that brings me great courage. You know, guys, there is a reason I believe that... um, Jesus, where it says straightway, immediately he compels them, constrains them, get them, let's get them out of there. You know, I, I, again, I believe all things work out for the good, everything, even our storms. And there's rhyme and reasons why the storms exist in our lives. Again, it would be a sick joke if he just told them to go out there so they could die. I, I Everything, what Irm and I went through, now, from hindsight, we can say, wow, look, look what God done through that storm. Losing our house back in 2015. I'm not totally out of that storm yet, but I can, I can start to see now what God is doing in our lives because of that storm. And literally, that was a storm. That was called a microburst. That's where clouds keep the water. And then all of a sudden, when those clouds come over a body of water, it just releases all the water at one time. And then winds gust up to 100 miles an hour. That's what clipped my house in 2015. And my dear wife was inside with our dogs and all. And she just thought it was just a little leak at first. But she didn't know our whole house was ripped open. See, that's a big storm. But now I can honestly say... To you again, it was really hard. It's probably the hardest trial I think I've had to endure for a long time. But um, looking at it now, I see so much grace, so much mercy, so much love towards Irma and I. And I want to tell you something. There's a reason, and I, and the reason is He wants to demonstrate His love to you, and He wants to demonstrate His grace to you. He's not mad at you at all. He's not mad at Peter for even sinking. I'll share that in a second. And he's never mad at them. But it gives, why he sends them, let let, let me try to explain this to you. The disciples, this stage, um, in their walk with the Lord, they're very immature when it it came to um, who Jesus really was. Uh, Immature about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, immature about the, you know, the nation of Israel. They just didn't know. So remember I told you that the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have little bits of story. But in the gospel of John, we really don't have the story. But John throws something in there. You really do have to tap the brakes, as it were, a little bit. And it says this. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle in reference to the feeding that Jesus did. He said, this is the truth that the prophet should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would take or come and take him by force and make him a king, he departed again unto the mountain by himself. John just leaves out the rest of the story about the ship. See, what's happening here, and John kind of opens a li- uh, it a little bit more. 
As Jesus feeds these 5,000, there are some on, on, on the side going, wow, this is probably one of the prophets that is supposed to come to, to remove the Roman yoke, to restore it. So let's take this guy and let's forcibly, let's make him our king. Jesus realizes, then he looks at his disciples. Stay with me. He looks at his disciples and thinks, they're not able to handle this one. They might get it all tied up with this mess. Guys, get into that ship. Well, well no wells get into that ship. They're tr- going to make try. He has to leave right away. He's got to get to the mountain. But he doesn't lose sight of this. This is what's happening. So this storm, there is a glorious reason this, why this storm existed in the lives of those disciples. And it was to protect them. Sometimes the greater danger requires a greater storm. It really does to protect us, not to harm us. Why am I? Why did I lose my house? Why did my son come down with spinal manager? Why did I lose this house? We have a dear gal in our church just a couple of years ago, a year ago, lost her daughter, 12 years old. Norma, Nora blessed all my. And of course she's asking why, 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 why? But according to the Bible, it might take some time. The Lord will show her something so glorious, so loving. That she'll be able to put maybe rhyme and reason to the storm. There was a reason why these guys. Um, and but they didn't realize it at first. Did they ever realize it? We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Oh, the reason I sent you over there is because there was these nutcases. They were going to try to take me by force. And I didn't want you guys to get. You weren't ready for that kind of a, a trial yet. So I was protecting you. It never tells us that he explains. So another point that I'm making. You might not ever know why this storm existed. But you do know he loves you. And you do know Romans. For all things will work out for the good to them that love him and are called. Give me a fat amen, church. Don't lose that truth, folks. Don't lose it. I love this. Peter said, oh, Lord, if it's you. The word if there, bad translation, my old king. Literally, Peter says, well, since it's you, you know. Here they are. It's a ghost. It kind of looks like Jesus. Ah, it's a demon dressed, you know, like Jesus. Whatever. Well, Jesus, since it is you. And I love this too. Bid me to come. Another bad translation. You know what he's saying here? Check this out. Hey, since that's you, command me to come out. Boy, that puts a different spin than just say, hey, could you just ask me to join you out on the water? <laughs> See if we could do this walking on water thing. I remember one year when I was on at the Sea of Galilee. I think I was at Afghanistan. But anyway, it was a beautiful night. The moon was out. I was dealing with jet lag. I'm wide awake, 3 o'clock in the morning, you know. And I was sitting on this jetty on the Sea of Galilee. And I got my feet just touching on the top. <laughs> I sunk like a rock. No, I... But, but can you... Can you just see it? If it's you, bid me to come. Command me to come. See, that, that's why it says, don't test the, the Lord thy God. You can't just put Jesus on trial and think you're going to test him. Whenever, I believe this with all my heart. Whenever you're expecting Jesus to, to, 
to do a miracle, the, the correct prayer is, Lord, then command this thing to happen. Command me. Pray for this person, Lord. Command me. Step out in faith. Lord, you love me enough to just say, God, this is what I want you to do. It's not just saying, hey, let me see how your faith is today. You've got to admire Peter for this too, by the way. I mean, come on, where are the others? You don't see anyone else. <laughs> and I could just see that he slips his feet, his foot over top of the head. He gets in it and he's looking at Jesus and I'm sure it's blowing his mind. You know, some people would kind of criticize Peter for this. Oh, here it is. Peter again had it all together. Another blunder. Blew it again. You know, he did it at the Mount of Transfiguration. He did it when he was in the teachings. And here he is doing it. Now, I kind of admire this guy. I really do. I, in fact, I admire any man or any woman that will step out in faith. You know, that book that Chuck wrote years ago, The Adventure in Faith. Young men who would step out without an education, without coming right off, step out to start churches. Adventure in faith. If you think about Abraham, tell me that wasn't adventure in faith. Hey, Abe, yeah, Lord, what do you want? I want you to leave everything you know. Leave Ur of the Chaldeans, and I want you to go into a land that you don't know anything about that, my friend, is a venture of faith. You've got to admire Abraham. How about David when he was just this ruddy little kid? When the Philistines were coming against them, they're encamped against them, way outnumbered, right? He goes down to this little brook, Elah, little tiny little brook that runs through this valley, and he picks up five little stones, man in his hands. Tell me that's not an adventure of faith. Why five? Because he knew Goliath had four brothers. He's going to peg each one of them right in the head. You got it. That is an event. To take on any giant is a venture in faith. You know, I, I, I think of Jonathan. There again, encamped against the Philistines, outnumbered. He wakes up his armor bearer. He goes, you know what? Yeah, everybody else thinks we can't do it, that we're outnumbered. But what, this is, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but... Maybe God wants to bust these guys. Maybe God really wants to defeat these Philistines and he doesn't want to do it with an army. So let's go do it. So him and his armor bearer goes on and takes on the Philistines with great victory. That, my friends, is someone stepping out in faith. What is the Christian life? Is it to go with the flow? Is it just to do the next thing that's before us? Or is the Christian life from time to time, I'm not going to say it's 24-7, but from time to time where God says, hey, trust me, since it's me and you believe it's me, you want to step over the edge of that boat and just try walking on water? Come on, let's do this together. That's how some of the greatest revivals started. Men, women, stepping out in faith, Maybe God wants you today to step out in faith, to do something for him. Look what he says, though. But when he saw, all that word that means when he redirected his attention, when he started to contemplate, when he started to see what was around him, what did he see? He saw a boisterous wind. 
That literally means something that's going to attack. And it tells us again, phobia, again, taken flight, terror. It's, 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 again, he was afraid. And that's when he began to sink. And I love how long his prayer goes. Some of the most meaningful prayers are direct prayers. You ever been in that? Yeah, you ever been a passenger? Oh my God! My wife prays quite often in a car. Brakes, brakes! You know, again, Jesus came walking out on the water to Irma and I. We were standing in that hospital room. I can't tell you what was going through her mind. I really can't. We were talking about it last night. But I can tell you what was going through my mind. Oh, he had little faith. I was thinking, how do I do a funeral for my son? Should I call Joe to do it? Should I get my brother-in-law to do it? But we were, we had kind of given up. And I remember I was holding him. She was right next to me. Jesus came walking out to us. And all of a sudden, I felt his presence in the room. I felt his arm go over my shoulder. And at the same time, my wife looked at me. And he says, do you feel Jesus right now? It's a true story, people. He came out. And he, in a way, said to us, you know, if you look where it says he caught him, because Jesus caught us. He says, "Um, Lord, save me. And immediately his hand went out, caught him. And he says, oh, you have little faith. Now, I've I've heard so many sermons on this. Oh, you have little faith. You know, wherefore didst thou doubt? And people have taken this. Please listen to me this morning. People have taken this. And they have tortured it. They have misinterpreted it. They have probably misused it for their own gain. Thou of little faith is not a word in the Greek New Testament. It's a phrase. Yeah, I've heard people say, and what he's saying here, oh, little faith is, you know, and they go off saying, if you just had the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, and then there'll be, if you just get in the word, because faith comes by hearing all. But that's not what Jesus is doing with Peter here. Not at all. You know, can I paraphrase it for you? And it's real, and it's pretty close to the original. What he's saying is this, the phrase literally means trusting too little, but you know what he, I got you, buddy. I got you. I even think he's chuckling when this is happening. Save me, Lord! Whoa! I got you, pal. What happened? I started looking at the waves. I'm tired. Oh, no. It's just a little faith, but you'll grow. That's why I sent you out here. They want to force me to be a king. They want to take me by force. See, you weren't ready. You just weren't ready yet. But now you are. Because when we read on, they got into the boat. 
And they began to worship him as the son of God, which is a, a, a phrase of deity. They might not have been able to make that statement on the shore. But when they got out to the sea, when Peter experienced, again, sinking and the Lord catching him. And there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. And he begins to encourage him. And he's kind of looking at him as a dad. He goes, son, it's okay. See, this isn't a, this isn't a story of correction. That's Jonah. It's not a story about disobedience. That's Jonah. It's a different Bible study. This is a one about a lesson, about love, about how he wanted to protect them and how he wanted them to learn, to kneel down, to worship him for who he is. And you're not going to learn that life by not having a by having a life where there's no storms. You think about how shallow your life would be with Jesus, the experientially, how shallow it would be without storms in your lives. Makes sense. Rich, if you'll make your way out. See, it is so important for everyone, every human being, if I can be paint such a broad picture, where they will confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah, I right away I, I think of the, the account where Philip's there with a eunuch and the eunuch's reading the book of Isaiah, you know, and um, he says to Philip, well, who's this all about? Philip starts to teach him and and they see a body of water and the guy wants to be baptized. And Philip says to him, well, do you believe all this in your heart? And this is what he, well, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That's what I believe. And he was baptized. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't, you can't really have the assurance that you're even going to heaven without that declaration, that reality, that truth in your heart that this man, Jesus, is not just some human good philosopher or someone, that he was the son of God, God in the flesh, who took our sins, died on the cross for us, and then you're going, I want to be baptized. Why? Because he is the son of God. He is not an ideology, people. He is not an escape card. He's not a get out of jail card. He is life. And he, whoever has life has Jesus. So let's stand together. I want to just bring out one, just one final point in closing. We can make it a prayer issue, right? What I see at the end of this story is, is not only when Jesus got over there, he went right back into ministry and people were touching the hem of his garment, which activates their faith, which they were healed. That's another Bible study. But I want to share something with you. The miracle happened with Peter. And Peter alone. They were all experiencing the storm like we all do. But it was the way it's what what Peter did. It's what Peter said. It was it's what the Lord said. 
And tells us in the other gospel, as soon as that happened, they got in the bed. They found themselves back on the other side. I believe it was another miracle. But when they came to the other side and they saw what happened with Peter, it says they worshipped him. They did. You know, one of the reasons I hear why people refuse to acknowledge who Jesus is, is because they see how the church handles storms. How Christians could really say, you know, I, I'm mad at God right now. I fault God for something. Why would I give my heart to, why would I want to confess that he is Lord or Jesus is the son of God? Just, but when you look at someone who really understands that there's a reason for this storm, that storms aren't always going to exist. There's, there's always an end to a storm. And I know if he's not, if he doesn't meet me at the end of the storm, he's going to come out in the middle and he's going to never rebuke me because of the way I handle it, but he's going to teach me and ultimately I'm going to bow my knee to him. The world sees that and they'll scratch their head in bewilderment. Man, what makes those people tick? Jesus healed my son. But I, I'll never forget my pop had just gotten saved. And for some reason I thought, I'm going to call him. I didn't, did not think he had one thing to offer me. Not one. I knew he didn't know the word that well. I, I knew he had just gotten saved, but... So I called him up and I said, Pop, I got a problem. And I told him. And he was quiet for a minute. But then my, my dad said, well, son, I guess this is where faith comes in. And he was so right. I couldn't go back in that room, look at my wife. I was beat up, ready to give up, going to get mad. I just had to get in that Volkswagen with no heater for the fuel injectors and get to the hospital and say, it is well with my soul. But the Lord decided to heal my son anyway. And that is another testimony, isn't it? Our God is good, people. Maybe you're struggling in a storm today. I don't know. Remember, different size. They come in different forms some go real quick some last for for a while but they all serve a purpose my prayer for you is Jesus will show you the purpose showed it to the disciples they bowed and worshiped as rich leads us out in a song I'm just going to ask you please just make it a prayer issue Come down, find somebody on the prayer team. Or maybe someone's down here and they're for this. Pray with them. Pray.